The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to FAPC.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our reading today comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 15. Hear the word of the Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the middle of March of last year, we were asked to remain in our homes as the beginning of the pandemic struck. And for the most part, I think people did. I hear stories and I remember news articles of the beginning of the pandemic in which people were taking their work desktop computers home on the subway, all to get ready to remain at home. On the flip side, there were scenes of people choosing not to stay in their home and they gathered in resistance to the pandemic. But yet New York City was a completely different city those first few months. The streets were empty, the subway carts were empty, there were echoes of constant sirens and pots and pans ringing at 7 p.m. for essential workers. This past Friday was my wife's birthday, and I'll never forget the scene from a year ago. April wanted sushi for her birthday dinner, and she had read about a decent place near Times Square on 43rd between 7th and 8th Avenue. We decided to drive and pick up the takeout order. Usually a drive from Astoria, Queens to the middle of Times Square and back can take anywhere from an hour and a half to about two and a half hours. It all depends on traffic. And parking? Forget about that. But on April 30th, 2020, we went to Times Square, pulled up and parked right in front of the sushi spot. We then took a right on 8th Avenue, parked in front of Shake Shack, got a burger for myself because I don't like seafood, and we got home in 45 minutes. When there are usually thousands of people and cars in Times Square, I counted less than 10 cars on the road with us. It was so surreal, an apocalypse type of moment. Where were all the people? They remained home, 
in hopes of keeping themselves and other people safe from the deadly virus. As tough as the pandemic was and continues to be for many, some people expressed some changes that benefited their life that they hope to continue as normal is approaching. For example, the meeting that could have been an email, all of a sudden turned into an email. Families with overprogrammed kids and overworked parents could sit and have meals together day in and day out. Friends reconnected from afar and started to meet weekly, even though they lived in different parts of the country and world. It was a wild ride for us, staying in our homes for so long. Many of us did our best to love our neighbor and ourselves by remaining home, especially in the thick of the pandemic. Throughout our scripture passage for today, Jesus consistently says to abide in him as he abides in us. Now, this was a familiar passage to me growing up. I had heard it multiple times, and perhaps it was some of the language barriers for me as English was my second language, but I had no idea what it meant to abide in Christ and for Christ to abide in us. When I heard the word abide, my mind went straight to following the rules. I was told in class that I should abide by the class rules. In driver's ed, we were told to abide by traffic laws. So I guess I could maybe understand what it means to abide in Christ, to follow and obey Christ's rules and commandments. The passage made sense in a legalistic kind of way. If we follow the rules, we are like good branches that bear good fruit. If we don't, then we are cut off and thrown into the fire. Now this passage is getting a little scary. But what does it mean for Christ to abide in us? I could understand how I can abide in Christ, but what does it mean for Christ to abide in me? It turns out that I did not understand the word abide well in the passage, or I was ill-informed of its meaning. The word abide in Greek is the word meno, which can also be translated as remain, stay, and dwell. Now the passage takes on a whole different meaning for me. Christ says, abide in me as I abide in you. Remain in me as I remain in you. Stay with me as I stay with you. Dwell in me as I dwell in you. In fact, Eugene Peterson paraphrased Jesus' words in this passage to say, Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. I've been thinking about the comparisons between remaining in Christ and living in him with the ways that we remained in our homes during the pandemic. Remaining and dwelling in our homes was challenging work and exhausting at times. The temptation to run around the town foolishly was always there. It was hard to remain at home. In the movie Napoleon Dynamite, Pedro, a high school student running for class president, says to his classmates, if you vote for me, all of your wildest dreams will come true. And often that is how Christians try to sell Jesus or Christianity, as if it were a name brand. If you follow Jesus, all of your wildest dreams will come true. 
But that's not what the gospel says. Jesus is asking us to remain in him as our home. And that isn't easy. There are temptations to leave our Jesus-like home in pursuit of wealth. There's the temptation to remain numb to the sufferings of the world and give up. Remaining at home is not easy, but it is fruitful and good. Like I mentioned, remaining in our homes revitalized some relationships between family and friends. And most importantly, it did the best we could to help keep, help keep people safe. Likewise, dwelling in Christ as our Savior, dwelling on Christ's words and his teachings is not easy, but it produces good fruits of justice, compassion, mercy, and love for the world. The image Jesus gives here is quite powerful. Now, some context. Two chapters ago, Jesus has a meal with his disciples, the same meal we partake of when we participate in communion. He washes their feet and gives a new commandment that they love one another. The rest of chapters 13 and 14 is a speech from Jesus in which Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me and gives the promise of the Holy Spirit to guide them. Chapter 14 ends with Jesus saying, rise, let us be on our way. It feels like the speech is now over. But chapter 15, where we pick up today, feels like this is a continued part of that speech. And Jesus continues some of those I statements similar to I am the way. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. I am the vine and you are the branches. It is here that Jesus says that if we abide and dwell in the vine, which is Jesus, then the branches will produce good fruit. I love the image of God, the Father, God, the Creator as a gardener, a good gardener who loves and takes care of her crops, a gardener that diligently waters her crops, tends to their soil, and protects them from harm. And here Jesus says that he is the true vine, the authentic and real vine that holds in all the nutrients so that the branches can bear fruit. The vine gives life and breath to these branches. This is why Jesus says the branches must abide and dwell within the vine in order to flourish and bring good fruit. The passage says that the gardener prunes the branches so that it bears even more fruit. The Reverend Dr. Nate Stuckey, the director of the Farminary Project at Princeton Seminary, told me that he recently learned that at a vineyard, the gardener will prune the branches in the winter when the vines are dormant. In doing so, she prunes off 90% of it. 90% of it. It makes me wonder, what is God pruning from our lives and our church communities when we are dormant so that we might produce better fruit? As I think about this past year and a half amid the pandemic, elections, insurrections, and calls for racial equality, I wonder what has been pruned so that we as the church can have better fruit? Is God pruning away the comforts of the norm? Is God pruning away toxic theology? 
Is God pruning away greed? What if God is pruning stuff out so that maybe fruits of radical hospitality, joy, peace, and fruits of needs being met comes into place? Is the church in America dormant at this time? If so, what is God pruning? But what I gather from the passage is that God desires for us to bear good fruit, which is best done when we are attached and dwell in the vine. We produce good fruit when we are connected to Jesus's love, Jesus's words, and Jesus's plan of liberation. Now, before we get any further, I need to address a verse in this passage that feels like the elephant in the room and was the cause of my anxiety of this passage when I was younger and even this week as I prepared for the sermon. Verse 6 says, Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Those that do not abide are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Yikes. What on earth do I do with this verse that feels like it goes against my theology? Like I mentioned earlier, I called my friend Dr. Stuckey at the farminary and asked him, what do I do with this verse? He jokingly said, well, obviously you have to do a fire and brimstone sermon and hopefully many will give their lives to Jesus and be saved. After a good laugh, we talked through the passage and this verse. He asked me, what is the baggage that comes with this verse for you? So I actually asked the same question to you. What baggage do you feel when you hear this verse? Do you have memories of sermons, relatives, or friends telling you that you will go to hell if you do not do a Christian tradition in a specific manner? Have you been warned about eternal damnation because of your sexual orientation or gender identity? Have you been told that your doubts will lead to your internal destruction? If you have, I'm sorry. That is not the gospel message. I believe these messages have not bore good fruit. Quite the opposite. It has led to destructive and deadly things in many cases. This message, in my opinion, needs to be taken down because it's not attached to the vine. It's not the God we see in both the Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament. We see the opposite. We consistently see a God who is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love, and ready to relent from punishing. We see a Christ who breathes into us a message that we are loved, and through the grace of God, we are enough. Thanks be to God. Yet, this verse is still here. But I think that our minds wander to the, the hell imagery because of the messages that we have been told. We bring that into the scripture. And Nate said to me, where do you see that in the scripture? I don't think this passage is about soteriology. Soteriology is the doctrine of salvation. He goes on to tell me that he thinks this passage is more descriptive than prescriptive. The vine offers good nourishment here. 
And in this passage, it feels like the branch has some agency. The branch can remain in the nourishment of the vine. And if it doesn't, it withers. And we've all been there. We've been in that place where we knew the proper nourishment was available to us. And instead of partaking it, we dismiss it and we begin to wither away. It's that moment when the small lie turns into a bigger lie. And before you know it, it has snowballed into something destructive. Or the relationship that could flourish if better communication came into play. But instead, the parties choose bitterness, anger, and fighting. And it withers away. The good news is that withering away is not the end of the story. We believe in a resurrected Christ with a plan for redemption. The nourishment of the vine will always be there, and the good gardener is there to prune away so that we may produce good fruit. The gardener will, will prune away 90% if she must. This passage is meant to encourage and empower, not to terrify. And Nate reminded me that everything that gets pruned and the branches gathered that are burned are not wasted. Fire is essential for life. Fire brings warmth and comfort. It is fuel for something else. So family, may you be nourished by the vine so that you bear good fruit, so that you may be nourishment to the world. Galatians tells us that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These past few months, the church's youth group has been discussing how these fruits of the Spirit intersect with the works of justice. And friends, our youth spoke truth in our series. They reminded each other that justice cannot happen without love for God and love for people. They reminded each other that kindness is not just being nice and courteous, but that kindness looks people in the eye and sees them as beloved children of God. Our youth talked about the fruits of the Spirit with such truth and care. And I believe that our youth display these fruits because they abide and remain in Christ and Christ's words. This past weekend, one of our youth, Johnny Flores, completed his Eagle Scout project by coordinating an event in which people could donate and drop off their old iPads and laptops to be refurbished so that students without these devices can participate in school. Other students in our youth group are passionately helping their peers become aware of social issues on their social media. I see them advocate for people in India as the pandemic has taken a massive toll in that country. I see our youth consistently support and love the most vulnerable. Our youth are fed and nourished by the vine of the divine, and they are bearing good fruit that is nourishing our world. So may you learn from our youth. May you be nourished by Christ as you dwell in him and he dwells in you. Abide in love and you will produce good fruit that will nourish the world.
Family, God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. We go out to follow Jesus in the world, to abide in his love, to show and tell the good news of God to everyone. Amen.